This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for Thursday, the 15th of December 2022. Coming up on the show today, we're going to learn all about a new Braille display which allows us to play games. Yes, play games. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Yeah, this is a really interesting story. Sean Priest, how are you today? Why, what a very interesting story. I, I, I feel like we've talked about it before, Stephen Scott. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, funny yeah. that, isn't it? It's funny. Mm. It, feels, it feels like we've preempted this conversation a little bit. Yes. It, just it just feels- a little bit feels like you've turned me into a liar, Stephen Scott. Unbelievable. A liar. I'm, I'm very interested in this story, mainly because it's Bristol Braille, which is my hometown, by the way, my place of birth. Amazing. And of course, Braille and gaming. Is, I mean, I've never heard of that before. It's weird. No, well, this is the point, right? I mean, I, I think that if there's ever anything that's going to get you into Braille, this is it. Yep, absolutely. If I could do a crossword on it, ah, man, I used to love Mm. doing the crosswords. I was absolutely terrible at it, though, but still, it's not the point. I know, it'd be like, big ship that sank in the sea in the early 1900s. Um, (laughs) Was it the Carpathia? These these cryptic clues. Would would Carpathia fit in there? (laughs) (laughs) That's a big word. Well done, you. Thank you, yeah. Well, that was, was, there was two ships, remember? There was the Carpathia... And there's the other goes. one. I know, yeah. but there was another. There was another ship as well at the time, and they said that if if Titanic had actually had managed to communicate to them, but they just didn't pick up on it. They thought, in fact, one of the ships I remember that they contacted thought it was a joke. They're like, "Oh, come on, the Titanic won't sink. What are you talking about? It's just a joke." Wow. And then they turned the machine off, so they couldn't well, get any more information. Again, happy Christmas, everyone. We start <laughs> off the show in real festive mood. Unbelievable. I was on the other night, you know, Titanic's the first time I've ever actually seen it with audio description. I've and, never um, seen it. You've never seen Titanic? No, I've seen the end. We're bobbing around on a door and uh, that was about it. You know, Jack could have fitted on that door, you know. I know. All she I, had I thought to Rose do was, was a move bit along. selfish. I know. Selfish Rose. How selfish dare you? Selfish Rose. It was her fault. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyway, hi everybody. So yes, we're going to be talking about gaming and Braille today. And uh, the cool thing is with this particular device, you can play games. And look, let's be honest about it. We're not going to be playing Call of Duty on this uh, or The Last of Us Part Um, 2. But, you know, Hangman. Oh, you know, as soon as they said Hangman, I'm like, I don't care if this costs a million (laughs) dollars. I want to play because I love Hangman. That's one of my favorite games. Well, look, you're right. I'm playing as a kid. it's all about. I want to calm down. It's all. <laughs> it's all about keeping people interested, right? I remember when I was learning grade one braille, uh, the the teacher. When so, you read it, you reading back your sentences. Yeah, it gets boring. You want something. I won't tell you what she wrote in the end, but I mean the point right. is, it kept me interested, and that's that's the whole point. If you're going to learn Braille, you need to be entertained through it, and and your interest kept. And I think gaming's a really good good way to do that. Although in saying that, having done the fingerprint course in the UK, um, yes. which was actually originally from the was it the Royal National College uh, in Hereford? Oh, was it uh, the King England? went there yesterday? God bless you, King. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. It never went when I was there. Funnily enough, yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't King then. Oh no, that's true. All right, I'll let him off. Uh, but yeah, so he, he, uh, he. What am I talking about? He, the, the, the fingerprint course. <laughs> oh my god, I haven't even had mulled wine yet. Um, but yeah, so the fingerprint course has the stories of Bill and Jane in there, and yeah, I will say yeah. that this, the whole Bill yeah. and Jane thing, um, it gets a little bit, you know, fruity, shall we say, saucy, even. <laughs> I beg your pardon. It does. I can guarantee you it doesn't. It does. What, what I was reading this. <laughs> I mean, okay, well, it, it wasn't Fifty Shades of Braille, but it was, you know, it was it was getting a little bit, and there was a, there was a lot of crime in there as well. The, the, the idea was, I think, that that was really to keep you interested. You know, they would just occasionally chuck in, like, a bit like a soap opera when it gets a bit boring, they just blow something up. You know, it was a bit like that. You know, they would just every so often just get, you know, like throw something in, throw in a murder. Throwing was this a sex the Goodfellas scene. edition, the Pulp Fiction? Edition. What are you talking about? 
Okay, it wasn't it wasn't ridiculous, but it was enough to keep you. It was enough to make you think, oh, this is interesting. Okay, where's this going? Because you know you get the impression, oh, Bill and Jane go to the shop. Bill and Jane buy tea. Bill and oh, Jane drink a cup now. of, and then Bill and Jane go up a hill steady. and yeah, you know, and you're like, okay, you know, it wasn't as bad as all that. But you know, the point is there was a there was a story, there was a narrative in there that kind of did keep you interested. <laughs> I've got a terrible feeling that was all in your head. No, it please. wasn't. <laughs> and I remember laughing. I remember, I remember course, finding please. it a brilliant book. Because I thought this is actually quite clever how they've done this because they've obviously done it in a way to try and keep you entertained. That's the whole point. That is the point. You need that hook, right? Otherwise, I lose interest in things. So, but yeah, this is absolutely. obviously for this could be. Yes, of course, it's for kids to some degree. I mean, in education, and it doesn't let's be sound honest, like it. No, not not the Bill and Jane. No, I'm talking about the Canute. But no, the oh, yes. the Canute Braille unit, the, this Braille console, which is essentially like a, a docking station for the Canute. A 360, which is the multi-line Braille display, it goes inside this. And, you know, with that, you get a keyboard. You also have a screen as well. So if someone is teaching, they can see what's going on and be able to read what you're writing or or whatever you're doing um, and reading as well. But the, the key thing is that, you know, this is a device which will probably and most likely show up in schools. It will show up in the libraries. It will show up in places where, frankly, they can afford to have them. They are very expensive devices. Of course. It's not going to turn up in people's homes unless you've got the money, right? And and that's not going to be a lot of people. But that's not to say that's not important because, of course, it should turn up in schools. Employers might buy into this. I mean, I can imagine a lot of people who will certainly be... And I know, about, I read stories about people who found the multi-line rail display of the Canute 360 really useful in their jobs. People who read a lot of text. They don't really want to have a single line braille display can you imagine having and this is the way to describe it to people can you imagine having a monitor which only showed one line of text at a time yeah exactly yeah you know it still takes me a while to get my head around that and and then you know one day someone says hey do you know what we've invented this monitor and it can have nine lines of text at a time that's kind of where we're at yeah absolutely and that, that is really useful for a lot of blind people. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that today. We've also got lots of your feedback coming in. So I want to get straight to that as well. Uh, we're going to kick off with Felix, who wants to pick up on your comments yesterday, please. Uh-oh. Here we go. Hey, Stephen, Sean, Double Tappers. This is Felix. And I am from my bed this time, just like I was last time. Oh. And, yeah, it didn't mean <laughs> to sound like I was coming for you. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to sound like that anyway. Um, yes, I'm pretty sure Jub Jub was from The Simpsons. I Jub-jub. believe, if memory serves me right, it was something to do with um, Marge's sisters. One of them had Jub Jub. Yes, that's and then right. She had the, yes. the, I think it was the first time it really comes into play when one of the sisters dates a celebrity or something like that. You know, so if you're a Simpsons fan, you know, if you don't, you don't. Um, However, I'm calling up because uh, the internet passport thing, Sean, did not yes. agree with you because it, it really can come back to bite you in the backside. Yes. Um, there are people who who um, have been turned down for jobs and for stuff. And, you know, when you're a teenager and you're, on your, you're online, you don't always think about, you know, what you're saying and stuff like that. It, it's not an excuse. Believe me, it's not. But if you then realise your mistake, um, you shouldn't then be punished for it seven, several years later. There's a story of a, uh, a lady who was uh, wanting to be a, a UK politician, and I think it applied for either the Conservative Party or the or the uh, Labour Party. I can't remember which one it was. She applied. Um, research, you know, when she it was very publicised, and it's only because. The media found out, you know, what the kind of stuff she had posted, and then in the end, because of that particular reason, they were turned down. Equally, a sports sports person also did the same thing. They went to um, they put some really what could be seen as really racial um, stuff online. I believe on Twitter, uh, that stuff was also found. And when they went when they were in their twenties and their career was taken off. Um, they in that stuff was also found, and they were although they apologised and said that they changed their views, um, they were still turned down because no one wanted to touch them with a ten inch or a ten inch part for a better phrase. So, um, you know, I don't think an internet passport would be useful. It'd be even worse than it is now. But, you know, it is 
you know, social media is a blessing and a curse um, as stuff goes. But anyway, uh, I'll be in touch soon because I'm in the process of sorting something out that's going to be very special for you guys. So um, talk to you guys soon. This has been Felix. Bye for now. From my Reaper bed. demo. Reaper demo. Yes. Coming Hashtag soon. Hashtag the bed. Oh. Hashtag oh. the bed. <laughs> wow. Friend of the bed. That's a new one. Saucy show this week. <laughs> um, Felix, God bless you. Absolutely wrong. Oh. Yeah. What difference does it make? I mean, if people pro- post inappropriate whatever posts on social media, yes, you got the excuse of I was young and I didn't know what I was doing, maybe, okay. Uh, but that's down to the employer. But what difference does it make? If they had an internet... Uh, passport or what if their identity was nailed to what they posted it doesn't matter are you saying it would have been better if they posted that anonymously Mm? no i don't think so that is still a terrible post so i don't think it makes any difference you are responsible for what you post now i agree going back into someone's childhood maybe teens and and judging them on that uh, you need to judge them on their current character i will give you that but um no, I'm sorry, it doesn't make any difference. If they posted that without their identity being nailed to what they posted, does that make it any better? No. Yeah, one of the biggest problems today is presentism, where people think that, you know, we should all, you know, people in the past, we have to look at them through the lens of how we look at things today. And, you know, it's like, you know, you go back in, in history and you decide that in history, you are right about everything and you win. And it's just ridiculous because it doesn't work. You know, it just, it just doesn't work. And, you know, we all make mistakes growing up. We've all said things we shouldn't have said. God knows I've said enough to get me hung over the years. You know, and, and I remember at school saying things. And funny enough, my wife and I were talking this other day, things that we, you know, inappropriate things we did at school or stupid things we said. And, you know, by today's standards, we'd all be hung out to dry because of that. Yeah, I don't, again, I, I must admit, I don't, I'm not connecting the two here, if I'm honest, Felix. I'm not connecting what... You're suggesting, Sean. I'm not keen on the internet passport thing, but I'm not necessarily sure that connects to everything you say online is therefore attributable to that because that's not really what you're saying. What you're saying, from my understanding, is that in order to be online, it's almost like you should have a, you should be verified to be online. Yeah. I mean, it's just so easy now to say something atrocious and get thrown off and, and set up a new account come back as someone else you, know, you just need another email address and i think you should be nailed down to an identity because the, the people feel the freedom to say atrocious things because there's no comeback there's no yeah. responsibility for that and i think there always should be and also if you've said terrible things in your past and you've changed your mind you're in charge of your content you should have deleted those tweets. You should take care of those or come out and say that you know that they, they were wrong and you tidy them up if you've left them there for that long, there's obviously a reason you've left terrible posts like that in your youth. There, sorry. Well, I mean, yeah, I think it's interesting because growing up with Twitter, and I say growing up with it, I mean, it was what, 2007 when Twitter was launched? So, you know, I was in, I was in full-time employment by that point. I certainly wasn't a kid. And, you know, I don't think I've said anything online that's particular. I mean, I, I think I could honestly say that, and I'm sure someone will go mining my Twitter feed right now. But, you know, <laughs> yes. I, don't, I don't think there's anything I've said in the past that would be particularly controversial. I don't think. I was always very mindful of what I said online, but it was because I worked in broadcast. You had but to be aware the of it. Point, because right? You had the responsibility yeah, because well, you were held accountable. That's my thing. That's I live by that principle, and I've lived by it for a long time, at least as, as long as I can remember, and at least as long as I was old enough to understand what the hell I was talking about. You know, so, you know, as a kid, no, I mean, yes, I'd like to pretend I was responsible. And I remember at school, I used to talk about how responsible I was with lots of different things. And then, you know, completely trashed that in my in my teens and 20s. <laughs> yes, we all have. We right? all did. And, yeah. and we go through where we have opinions that we feel strongly about. And then we look back and say, how did I have that? I was an idiot at school. I mean, I was a yeah, complete I get, I idiot. I get that. And maybe there should be some sort of legislation saying that you can't be held responsible when it comes to employment. You can't go back more than, I don't know, two years, three years into someone's past. Because if you go back far enough, I agree, especially today's, you know, how long social media has been about now, mm. there is going to be stuff there. I, I totally get that. But then again, if it's under your name, your identity, then you take control of that and my you delete issue, anything you're not happy with. My issue with what you're suggesting is that you are saying that, okay, so yes, we're responsible for everything we say online. I get that. So someone says something bad. Now, whatever it is, I mean, let's. everyone always rushes to the worst case scenario, right? So we all yes. say, well, uh, racism or sexism or misogyny or something relating to 
uh, religion or, you know, you know, Jewish people or, you know, whatever. We always go to the, the, the furthest possible reaches. But actually, you know, a lot of what people are, are being picked up on these days are, you know, in the middle of, you know, where you could say, well, you could take offence to that. You could also not take offence to that. Yeah. You know, I mean, these days, for example, suggesting someone is a woman can be classed as offensive. I mean, that's where we're at. I mean, there are people who, if you, if you say, you know, are you a woman? Someone could be offended by that. I read a story about a woman who had been called up by her HR department. She was brought in because in a, a WhatsApp group chat, which, or maybe it was a work group chat, maybe on Teams or something, it must have been to do with the job because otherwise they probably wouldn't have brought her in on it. But they, they brought her in. This was in the UK. And this woman had been uh, on this chat Another colleague in the office was having a child. And she said, um, this woman had said, you know, do you happen to know if, if you're having a boy or a girl? Her manager calls her, brings her into the office and says, we're having to investigate you because there's been a complaint. And she said, well, what's the complaint? And she said, well, you've been accused of attributing a gender to this unborn child. So as yeah, a result madness. of that, you know, we're going to have to potentially suspend you. I'm sorry. I hear a lot of those sort of stories, and I believe probably none of them. I mean... But this happens, Sean. This isn't, a ma- these, this isn't made up. Does yes, it, it does. Or is, or is this said this happens? And if it does happen, that's, that's an outlier. That company is being absolutely ridiculous. Common sense, which should dictate everything. And you can't base... Um, okay, so we, let's throw my idea out just because there's this really out of sorts, out of common sense, out there uh, response like this. Because if you, everyone think, if who you, looked, if you don't think that's real, that, go yes, on I Twitter. Don't think that's real. Go on Twitter just for five minutes. Yes, and I guarantee you, your opinion will change. I, I, no, I'm telling you, if, because if this you, kind of nonsense is pervasive across our, our society no, now. No, People no, think this kind this stuff. No, this kind of nonsense is put out there as this story. I know a bloke, my brother, my bloke down the pub said this. If 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 we can get the HR leader on there who can say, yeah, I, I brought someone in about this, then absolutely, well, you're I never going to get that. I will that, take that serious. <laughs> no well, in that case, it, in that case, <laughs> it never happened. I, t- I take your point, though, right? Because there are some things you look at and you think, hey, that's been taken. Like someone wants to take offence out of what someone said there, and I don't actually see it like that. Uh, but I do take your no, point. No, 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 no. I have no issue with someone. Look, you can't. All we have in life is our reaction to things. Now, yes. I, I choose or I don't choose to take offence to something. That is the, all I really have. Now, if someone takes offence to it, what I want to know is, what do you think should happen next? Because the problem is, if you have this internet passport, and yes, okay, so now we have attributable, verifiable information that we can say this person did say that on that date. What happens then? That's yeah, the, it, and, and this is the issue for me. What happens next? Do we start going around to people's homes, kicking in their doors because you know they've said something wrong online? That has happened. Yes, it has. A friend of mine had it happen here in Scotland during the Scottish independence referendum. People were having their doors knocked by police saying, you said this on Twitter. It yes. happened to a friend of mine, and it, that wasn't a mate who told me a thing. That actually happened. Yes, and that is absolutely disgusting. The fact that here in the UK there is a, a, a law where they can do you for something like tweeting something that's deemed you know offensive is absolutely disgraceful against free speech totally. But it's still, it doesn't make any difference. Again, it's kind of like the Felix point here. It doesn't matter. Are you saying people, you know, people are going to take an offence whether it's got your name on it or it's under a, a made-up name? It doesn't matter. That response that people give is the way society is at the minute, and hopefully that will change and common sense will prevail. But still, I think... <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I, I well, think we, we will can see. just forget that one. Um, <laughs> common sense will never prevail because the world is getting... People in this planet are getting stupider and stupider no, they're and not. stupider. Social media is highlighting no, 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 the no, no, stupid no. ideologies well, out there. Social media is people. No, no, no. no. Do, do, you, do you think that this is just robots saying this stuff? Uh, I think there is a, uh, sometimes, yes, I think there is a following of bots which can give a idea or a, a point of view. Social media has, has done more to harm have. this world than anything else. It really I totally has. agree. I because, totally agree. They need to be held responsible. Down. Because we've, we look at the things we do now. We, we don't trust major institutions as a society. People are less likely to trust. I mean, the police, come on. Mainstream media, come on. People who... 
look, I've worked with journalists. I've been a journalist for a long time. It does my head in. Whenever I see someone who says, I don't trust the mainstream media, that is a red flag to me. I'm just like, right, okay, I, I don't know. And if you say the following words, as a friend said to me once, I get my news from Facebook. I'm just, I'm on the floor going, no, please don't say that. I totally because agree. It's just, like, come on, you know. This, anyway, let's go off this. Um, wow. Because we'll talk about it for the next three days. And there's will. other feedback Sorry. I want to get to. Um, let's bring in Dean, because that'll, you know, that'll bring the, the temperature down a bit. Uh, Dean from New Zealand. <laughs> Hi, Stephen and Sean. Well, what an incredibly amazing conversation was had by you both on Tuesday, oh, despite uh, Sean having a relapse with his behaviour. Oh, sorry. Well, whatever the fellow was getting high on, saying he wouldn't be happier seeing normally again, what an idiotic statement. Oof. If you have been low vision all your life, as I have, I would dearly love to see properly. How could you not be happy about that? It is perfectly understandable being born totally blind, not wanting to have full vision restored, because they've never known anything different. I heard on a podcast probably about five years ago, don't remember podcast name, but there was a totally blind man, I think he was in his 40s, who had vision fully restored and he couldn't handle it. Things were too overwhelming in what he was seeing, as he didn't know what he was seeing. He ended up topping himself. Well, that's brought the the mood up a bit. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, Dean. Very festive. Can I just say as well, that's not me. I never said that. I don't, no, 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 I would, no, no, no. I would no. jump at the, the chance of restoring a site. Um, wow. no, he, he was I, referring to one of our comment, uh, one of our emails, I think, about that that topic. Where, and look, I, I think it's it's unfair. I mean, look, I'll call people out for being idiots if I if I see it as the case, but I don't think it's fair to to be critical in that sense. It's an individual choice, Dean. At the end of the day. And, you know, there are a lot of people who, I mean, I would take my site back tomorrow, but I know many people who wouldn't because there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, for some people, how can I say this? For some people, it's maybe the only thing they've got in their life that's brought them closer to other people. We don't all live in a world surrounded by family and lots of friends. A lot of people live alone. I mean, this time of year highlights that. That's why partly I wanted to do the show through the new year and through the Christmas period, because a lot of people don't have anyone else. They might only have us, God help you. But that's, if this is... I'm so sorry. You know, I know, but that's but that's the truth of it. We don't all... I mean, I'm not blessed with a million friends. I'm not blessed with a million family. You know, and, you know, for that re... And I don't know if I actually... I don't even know if I consider that blessed or not. Um, <laughs> but I just think it's... You know, for, for a lot of people, there's just not a lot of connection. And sometimes this identity can do that. I mean, it's it's like, I mean, I'm not a religious person, right? I'm not religious at all. But I know growing up the value a lot of people placed on religion because it wasn't really about the religion. It was about the connection it gave them with other Absolutely. people. Absolutely. I, I mean, I grew up in the east end of Glasgow, which was a very rough part of the, the world. It was a very poor, poverty-stricken part of the world. And... You know, for a lot of people, going to the chapel on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning was the only connection they had with other people. It, and if you asked them, if you were to doorstep them at the end of it and say, you know, what did you get out of that in terms of the, the religion part? They'd be like, I don't know. But I, I know what I did get. I got to meet my friends. I got to talk to people. You know, and I think that meant more than a lot. And I think that that identity part, you know, I know I rave about and, and rant on about identity politics, but... I don't, I don't. I think we can separate that out a little bit. Life's more complex than that. Identity can mean other things, and it's not necessarily that the visual impairment is the driver here, but it does bring you in connection with other people. And some people can value from and take value from that, and they don't want to lose that, you know. Because then, what are you? You know, you're then someone else. I mean, let's be honest. As partially sighted people, you and I know only too well how restricted we feel sometimes. We're not part of the sighted world. We're not part of the blind community. You've got all these blind people saying, well, you can see something. So if you can see something, and you know, and then you get all the sighted people who go, well, you're not blind, are you? You can still see. Jeez, and I, you're not either. Yes. You know, and that really irritates me and it has irritated me for a long time. And I just feel that that, you know, if you can be connected to a, you know, there are people who will call themselves blind who are not blind, but they feel they need to do that so they can attach to some community. So I don't want to ridicule people for that. And I don't think we should ridicule people for that, Dean. If you don't want, if you want your site back tomorrow, great. If they can give you that opportunity, you can get it back. But I don't think it's fair to criticise someone else for that choice. So, wow, well, yeah, I can't add anything to that really. I mean, it is what it is. I, I, I don't understand. Well, understand maybe a bit. No, I don't understand why someone wouldn't want it back. But as you said, it's different reasons for everyone, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I'm with you on that. But what I'm saying, I mean, I, I don't get it either. But I would say that it, if it's someone's choice, and not that it is a choice, obviously, if it was, we wouldn't be having this discussion. It would just be happening, and that'd be the end of it. Yeah. But you know, I can kind of understand why people. I mean, we got an email in from Ray, who's in this position that that uh, Dean talks about. He says, um, you know, "I was born 18 days early with German measles uh, with CP, which we think caused the blindness." He said, um, having been born blind from day one, I would not want sight because it would require a relearning of the entire universe for me. He said, that might be a daunting project at nearly 56 in March of next year. And, you know, that's it. You know, that to me, that is it. That, you know, if you've lived your whole life a certain way, the idea of changing that is just, I mean... I suppose it's that whole idea, like the, the, the point Dean made at the end, right? I, I suppose it's the idea of trying to of finding vision overwhelming. Mm. I suppose that I can't get that concept into my brain. And maybe that's because I have had vision before. And if you've never had vision, maybe that is a real concern. So, yeah, I, I, I suppose so. Well, I mean, if you think about it logically, surely if if losing sight is overwhelming to people, right? So someone who's had vision their whole lives and then has nothing, we all know... We, we hear the stories about people who come through that experience and we hear that all the time, right? That's the story we tend to hear most often, someone who lost their sight and how they've, you know, begun to rebuild their lives out of what that, that yes. left them with. But we don't hear it the other way around. And actually, if you think about it, the same logic would apply. You've gone from having nothing, which you were, you know, it's all you knew. So you were comfortable. You knew where you were. You knew where things were. You knew how things worked. You knew how it went in your mind because you had built up an audio based, sensory based experience without vision. Now all of a sudden vision's added to the mix and you have all this new information to take in. Yeah, I always see that as a bonus and a positive and why, why would that ever be a negative? But maybe well, it but, can But be. from your point of view, it would be because you'd be adding to it. You'd yeah, be well, adding that's a bonus. Because, because, you know, it's like, it's like someone's finally tuned the TV in or they've focused the camera. You know, or they've they've opened up the, the the pinhole, you know, to make it bigger so you can see more. You know, th that makes sense to me. But going from nothing, mm. that I don't doesn't. Know. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I, don't I don't know. know. But yeah, it's an interesting conversation for sure. Uh, look, we're out of time for for this segment. Um, Why, sorry, I want, want to get to more voicemails <laughs> and emails, but um, sorry, we uh, we get, we get so into that there. Thank you so much because this is what this show does. I mean. You know, it really it does open up so many interesting conversations. I mean, we, we always make the joke as a tech show, honest, but it's very hard not for the technology to start to creep in, you know, and, and stories like the Neuralink story, you know, which kind of bring us these these ideas, these these theories, these, the potential here. Yeah. Um, it really does kind of wake us up to the fact that, you know, this might be a thing that comes and if it, if it does, do we want it? The impact of it all. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't think there's anything wrong with discussing that at all. Stick around. Charlie Harding is going to join us next from Bristol Braille Technology to talk all about the uh, new Canute's gaming console. Very interesting. All about Braille next on Double Tap. Can't get enough Double Tap? Subscribe to the podcast and get your fill of Double Tap every day. Visit DoubleTapOnAir.com and follow us now. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. This is Double Tap. Welcome back. And let's talk Braille now, and in particular, a new gaming console which has got Braille involved. Very interesting. Can't wait to learn more about this. Uh, let's welcome Charlie from Bristol Braille Technology. Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience, Charlie? Great. So, hi, my name's Charlie Harding. Uh, I am the Marketing, Promotion and Distribution Manager at Bristol Braille Technology, based in Bristol. Great to have you on Double Tap. Thank you so much for coming on, Charlie, uh, because we really want to learn all about all this wonderful new technology you guys are working on. I spoke to you guys last in 2019 when we talked about the Canute. And, you know, mm. I guess a lot has happened since then. So maybe if you can, maybe before we kind of delve into the whole gaming console side of things, actually, let's talk a bit about where we are and, and where where you've come on this journey through the last couple of years. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, so yeah, about 2019, uh, we were ready to start distributing the Canute 360, our nine-line, uh, it's a multi-line Braille um, machine that refreshes 
plug in an SD card and you can read a thousand books, you know, um, and then uh, a global pandemic happened, uh, <laughs> which slowed things down a little bit. Um, but we managed to get uh, production and distribution started. Um, and then since then, we've sort of managed to, to build up our manufacturing um, again. We brought it in-house just so we had a better control of the uh, quality and what we were doing. Um, and then the pandemic sadly caused us to become very short of some uh, integral parts of the machine. Um, it was getting very difficult to get those uh, shipped over from China. So we had to take another break. Um, but we are, fingers crossed, uh, looking to be back into manufacturing as of, sort of January, February next year. But don't quote us on that. Just sort of look forward to some newsletters. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, the canoe in itself hasn't really changed that much since we launched it for sale back in 2019. Um, but it's, um, it's been really exciting getting some feedback of what people are using it for. It's, you know, mainly it's something to, to read on, but there's, uh, definitely other things that, that people have, have found it really useful for. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting, I guess, because from your point of view, the, the challenge of, as all companies are facing at the minute, the, the chip shortage and the, you know, just the general shortage of parts has been a real issue, right? And, you know, for a company like yours, I guess, those challenges are immense, but they have impact on the production. You know, you're not selling as many units as, say, an Amazon product will or an Apple product will. Mm. So, you know, that that has real impact on your business, I guess. It really did. And it's um, so what we found is uh, there were some very unscrupulous people trying to take advantage of um, sort of companies' desperation to get things. So, uh, you know, there was just there was a possibility of being scammed. Uh, we found that a lot of the uh, factories and manufacturers we were speaking to um, would say they had products and then would just drop off the face of the earth. Um, so it's uh, it's been a bit of a challenge. Um, so the Canute 360, it's made up of hundreds of moving parts. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's the reason why people don't make these multi-line refreshable machines as standard is because they're quite complicated, believe it or not. Um, so thought, when we yeah. are short of one or two things, I know. <laughs> Like we made a rod for our own back on that. Um, so, yeah, when, you, when you're missing one or two integral uh, pieces of machinery that go into it, unfortunately, there's just you, you can't recreate it. We, so we thought about, you know, maybe uh, 3D printing our own, but it just it was just too complicated. It became too expensive. Um, so the, the best thing for us to do as a, as a very small company uh, was just to shut down production on that and then uh, sort of start working on on other things, which we'll, we'll come into later. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the new products because you sure. know, this new product I'm really intrigued by because mm. when you hear Braille and gaming in the same sentence, you kind of wonder what on earth people are talking about. I, I was really surprised to hear these two words at the same sentence. <laughs> yeah. so, so maybe explain to us what this is, uh, this new device Absolutely. that, uh, yeah. that you want to talk about. So yeah, absolutely. So um, so obviously we were um, going through uh, a few periods of, of not being able to manufacture our, our sort of main Canute 360 machine. Um, so we started working on um, other things that that would um, potentially be of interest. So we we had this free time. Um, so what we came up with was uh, something that we are now calling the Canute Console. Um, uh, essentially, it's it's a it's a clever docking system where you will take a Canute 360, you plug it in, and it completely expands what the the Canute 360 can do. Um, so the dock is made. Sorry, the console. We are calling it a console. We were calling it a Canute dock for a very long time. But we're calling it a console now. Uh, so it's made um, up of a very high definition um, screen. Uh, so both um, visually impaired and blind people and sighted people can use it. Uh, and the sighted person will uh, see basically what's on top of the Canute display on, on the screen. Um, it has a pullout keyboard and the whole thing runs on Python. So essentially what it does is you, you plug our Canute in and it just makes the, the, the it basically turns it into a mini laptop i suppose and so from sort of creating this and thinking about like what what can we do with it like you know you can do some word processing uh you can do your computer programming and, and coding which is something that um, i know a lot of people are very interested in um and i think it was just a sort of random afternoon where uh, ed rogers who's our, our founder decided to see if he could do uh like quite simple uh games so uh we tried it and it worked 
So um, there's uh, Snake, which is something we've been uh, working on, which is uh, an old game that used to come free on the old uh, Nokia phones. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, the point of that is you have a a line and you have to eat uh, a little dot, a little square, and then every time you eat the square, your snake gets longer. Uh, I have found that I've had to explain what snake is because there's a lot of uh, blind people that never played. They've got no <laughs> well, idea. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> It was a very so, visual game, right? So yeah, a lot, a lot of blind game. people have played it. Exactly. And so I say, oh, we've got Snake. And they'd say, well, what's that then? And you're like, oh, yeah. Because no, <laughs> I'm sighted. <laughs> it's that and assumption. In fairness, and in fairness, there, there's also blind people out there of an age who probably have never even heard of it because they've never had a Nokia phone. They're too well, exactly. young, which exactly. is terrifying. No, no, and there's a, there's someone that we work with who um, he he's lost his sight completely now. But when he was a teenager, he had limited, and so he was he would play Snake because that's what his friends were playing. But he would uh, he'd have his face like inches away from the screen so he could try yeah. and play it. Um, so basically, what we've done is we've um, taken that very screen based game and then made it into um, a braille game. So the the display becomes the snake and the little thing that you eat little food yeah. um and it tells you your score um and it's just this really fantastic way of um you know one passing time it's entertainment you know I just, i'm a big fan of the candy crush i'm a big fan of snake like so i'll play Absolutely. that for hours um but also it's an incredible way of um getting people to start learning about like spatial awareness um it's a great way to um introduce braille to perhaps younger people who might uh, be a little bit put off by, you know, always learning a new language is boring. I don't want to. Why can't I just listen to things? Um, so it's just a really great way of introducing um, potential Braille users to a world that isn't just reading. I have to ask you, and I know you're probably going to go on to this, but I have to ask you because sure. it's my favourite game, Hangman. We've got Hangman. Yes. I was just about to tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, um, I, there was two two people that we sort of trialed the game with because you wanted to see you know just because it kind of works for, for us as sighted people is it interesting to visually impaired and blind people and braille readers i mean that's sort of an offshoot the the real ethos of what bristol braille technology do is we work with the community and we ask them what what do you want we don't want to be the sort of company that throws you know a 600 pound wi-fi enabled white stick at, at people and say there you go we've solved your problems yeah uh, they're like well we never asked for that <laughs> and we can't afford it so um you know every time we come up with something like this we do like to to get um braille users involved the, the charity the braillists are amazing um you know we get them in involved and say like we've done this what do you think um so again one person had heard of hangman had never played it the other person hadn't heard of hangman at all um and again really great at um you know learning to spell which is something that you know we all take for granted um and again it's just it's a really nice way to pass the time it's a fun little word game um and like we were all like there was four of us just looking over this one machine as somebody played hangman and we just the excitement in the room it was <laughs> it was brilliant and they really really enjoyed it um we've, we've, wordle works on there We've done um, some like map games. Um, we sort of based one very, very loosely so we don't get sued on Grand Theft Auto. Uh, wow. Where we've done, yeah. <laughs> so it's not driving around and, and you know, not being a pleasant human being. And, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what can I say? No, there was no mowing down of anybody in this game, but we, um, so we've developed it. So it's a map of Bristol. Uh, it can be a map of anywhere, anywhere at all. Um, we've used the Braille to, um, so you know what's a building and what's a road. Um, you land in the middle of this map and, and someone turns up and says, oh, can you please take this package to this place? And then you use the um, directional keys on the keyboard to navigate your way through the map to, to where you need to be. Um, and then you're given another task and then off you go. And it's just, because it's Python, because it's all very... Um, it's, it's very bespoke because the way that it is, it could be any map in any country, anywhere. Um, so it's just, it, it, it's really, really exciting just how much can be done once you just sort of expand what, what Braille means, I suppose. It's not just a tool for reading. We know we can use it for maths. We know we can use it for music. We can now use it, um, you know, as this, these, these very fun 
um, top-down spatial games. It's yeah, I'm really enthused about it. <laughs> yeah, no wonder. I mean, I, I just find the whole thing fascinating. But you know, like you said at the top there, you know, one of the great things about this device is that it can do lots of different things. It's not just about games, although that's a that is going to be a major draw for a lot of people. But you know, the fact Absolutely. that you have got essentially a braille laptop with mm. the ability to, you know, write on, do word processing. I'd imagine that that extends to mathematics, to science yeah. equations, all kinds of things, which you can really see the value of in education and in certain work mm. environments as well. It really takes the commute to the next level, doesn't it? Absolutely does. And it's, um, I mean, one of the things that has always been feedback for the canoe is people say, you know, this this is great. You know, the, it's an absolute pleasure actually sitting down to read now uh, instead of having to do everything on one line or trying to find enough room in your house for, you know, a half of a book of Lord of the Rings because this thing's like five foot by five foot with all the paper. Yep. Um, you know, it's, 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 but it's been a very limited thing. Um, and, a lot of feedback that we get is, you know, oh, you know, we'd love it if it could be, be a screen reader. We'd love it if it could do this. We'd love it if it could do that. Um, and there have been limitations. Um, what with the um, sad passing away of one of our computer programmers a few years ago, um, who was basically leading the charge on on sort of bringing all these extra bits to life. Um, and we've sort of, it's, it's always been in the, you know, we wanted the Canute's 360 to do one thing really, really well, which is give people the opportunity to to read. Um, in a more pleasurable way. Um, but it's uh, to be able to take that and then just completely blow what, what, what the canoe can do out of the water. Um, I'd say it's still, um, at the moment, it's still a, a prototype. It's still a machine that you would need to approach with, um, you know, a, a good level of kind of computer programming um, understanding because it runs on a operating system that is... Um, quite involved it's not like when i just open my laptop and windows makes everything happen um but say working with a lot of, of braille readers and a lot of uh, braille readers that work in computer programming um we've had some really great feedback so far and they're, they're yeah really really impressed which is fantastic that's interesting so are we talking really more conceptual design at the moment are we talking something that is a prototype or you know, are you aiming this to be a product? Because I imagine the cost of production of this is going to be pretty high and therefore the, the overall cost is going to be high for this at the moment. So um, actually not as high as you'd think. Um, so because it's um, it's more of a shell, I suppose, because the Canute, it runs on your Raspberry Pi. You've got the operating system in there. It's not because it's it's something that you're bolting on essentially to the original machine. It's not, um, we're not selling it as a sort of integrated machine like one thing it will be two separate things um it, it exists in the world uh, we've got people using it um we've got some um trials going on at the moment that will be going on until um early next year um and we're hoping to get it on the market sort of late january early february if things go well okay. um it's uh, so we have there's two exist in the world at the moment both in our workshop um and so let, let me through, let me get this in my head so i can because mm. i'm i'm a very uh stupid person so Go let on. me <laughs> ask this question directly because i know our audience mm. will be thinking this uh, possibly as well so sure. is, uh, these are two separate things we've got the commute yes. 360 that docks into i know you don't call it the dock now but it essentially <laughs> can go into this mm -hmm. unit i'm thinking yeah. a little bit like um is it the L Braille with the Focus 14 and the Focus 40 from Freedom Scientific? There's a kind of similar product. I think mm. that's what it's called. Essentially, you have the this, this separate display, and then mm. it docks into this unit, which gives it you know, the function to be a Windows computer, yeah. in essence. This is kind of, I guess, a similar idea, right? You have one unit that docks into the mm. other, and it gives you the extra capability. Yes, yeah, exactly. So you would, if you already have a Canute, You'll be able to just to, to buy the the console, plug in and go. Um, if you don't have a canoe already, you would have to buy um, them both separately. Um, we are coming up with our, our pricing and launch dates um, as we speak. Um, but yeah, so it will be it will be an initial. Yeah, you will have to buy both if you don't have one. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, then you go on from there. The bottom line is Braille is literacy, and. Yes without the ability to read and write, you know, your chances in the workplace are, well, they're less. It's as simple mm. as that. I know from my it own is, experience, yeah. I, I grew up as a kid with partial sight. And as a result at school, I wasn't offered the chance to learn Braille, but the blind kids mm. were. 
And I've been railing against oh. that now for many years now, saying mm. I think actually, and I think it is changing, but I have said now what we don't want to do is to get to a place where audio becomes the norm. Absolutely. Because I don't think yeah. that's I don't think that's the right way to do it. I mean, yes, I, I no. think I think ultimately kids should have as many skills as they can. Mm. And let's be honest, as kids, we learn way more than we would as adults. I know now learning Braille is certainly more challenging than it would have been as mm. a kid. In fact, interestingly, I tell the story a lot on the show that my uh, teacher at school taught me grade one because she was becoming a Braille teacher. So she wanted to kind of find a guinea pig to teach with. Mm. And that was me. And I said, great, I'll, I'll do it. And I learned grade one. And when I went back to learning Braille 30 years on, that all mm. came flooding back. Now, if I'd been starting from scratch, that would have been a challenge. And certainly grade two has proven that because mm. that is a real challenge. But, you know, again, it comes back to that fundamental point that Braille is literacy. And I know as, as getting older, my vision getting worse, mm. trying to remember how words are spelled is really difficult. You're trying to, to visualise it in your mind because I'm trying to remember back to the days when, you know, I had would write all these things out and my jotters and all the rest mm. in those days. Um you know, and, and it's changed so much. So you know, having access to that means you can get, I mean, I, and I know my job options would have been different had I mm. learned Braille because I look at friends of mine who have and they go on to be lawyers mm. and accountants and, you know, that opportunity wouldn't yeah. be available to me now. And that's, no. that's this is where, you know, people need to realise the value of Braille. That's it. I mean, our, our motto is Braille is um, literacy, education and employment because it is, it, it fundamentally it. is. Yeah. Um, say when when Ed Rogers, um, you know, sort of came up with Bristol Braille technology, you know, he'd uh, he just sort of seen yeah he'd seen that Braille just wasn't being used, and he just couldn't really understand why because he, as a ex computer programmer himself, he was like, well, you know, I can see there's loads of potential in this, and why is nobody using it? And through that, the the Brailleists charity came to fruition, of which he's now a board member, um, and their entire reason of being is to get people to to be excited and learn braille um i'm trying to learn braille and i you know i, I turned 36 today <laughs> and it's just the the um you mean 21 plus vat 21 right? plus yes 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 <laughs> 21 again um and it's the uh like just the, t- the the finger like being able to 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 make sense of what i'm reading just by touching it with my finger is incredibly difficult but if I was learning that along with French and German and something, you know, starting from five, six, seven years old, <sighs> wow. you know, it's just, it's very difficult. And actually, I, I read Braille with my eyes. I, I have to look for the dots, which is mm. obviously not how you're supposed to read it. Um, well, but it's, it's, how, it's how teachers yeah. read it. Yeah, it's how yes, teachers well, do yeah, it. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Um, but it, yeah, it's just, it, it, it's just really... It, it it really frustrates us that it's we are in a world where people that there is literally an accessible option which is braille exists and mm. there's nobody there to really teach it uh there's nobody there really kind of banging a drum in a place that people can hear to say that these children should be learning braille this is as important as sighted children you know, learning to read and write, it's exactly the same. This is this is their their access to the world and you are denying them this by expecting them just to listen. And it's it's well, not it's not fair. I, I'm banging the drum for you. I'm banging the drum Thank for you. every <laughs> blind child because I genuinely believe, because I came through it myself, mm. I genuinely believe that all children, irrespective of their visual impairment level, mm. If the child is classed as partially sighted, if there's any chance that child could either have reduced vision mm. or no vision by later in life, that child should learn to read Braille, in my view, Absolutely. as well as learning screen readers, as well as learning mm. how to use all the magnification tools. You mm. know what? These kids have got sponges for brains. Use yeah. them. Fill them with knowledge. They may never use them. They may need it one day, but when they need it... My God, they'll be thankful for it. So, absolutely, you know. and it was it was a real joy. A couple of years ago, we were at Sight Village in uh, in Birmingham. I think it was Solihull, um, and there was a, a young it was a young boy, probably about nine or ten, um, and his parents had been sort of learning Braille and taught him Braille. I think he, they sort of managed to find almost a private tuition for him, um, but he'd only ever read uh, on paper. And we sort of sat him down in front of the canoe and we put on. 
would have been one of the classics or something, a bit of Jane Austen, just as a, you know, give it a read. And mm. he was, he you know, he was quite energetic. He was quite excited about being in this place. And he sat down and the minute his fingers hit, hit the display, just absorbed, absorbed into reading. And it was, I was like, I remember being that child. I remember, you know, I've, I've got, um, I've got ADHD. Um, so I bounced off the walls, bounced off the walls. And then I was given a book and I'd be hyper-focused. And I was like, oh, that's, it's so lovely to see somebody like that young, that good at Braille as well, that he was doing the thing, you know, he was starting the next line before his finger had finished the bottom because of the refreshable bit. And it was, this is what every child should have access to. This is what every child should be able to do at his age is, you know, read competently and read fast and then take that and, and he could do world's his oyster when he's got that source of um level of, of, of reading um and it's just it's a shame that he he's a he's a lucky one really yeah so your company is mm. forging ahead making great products uh next year is the year we'll see the canute console and Absolutely. We, we will get i guess more canute 360s as well production starting to ramp back up Absolutely, yeah. So uh, we still have some on the shelf. Um, prices, unfortunately, well, unfortunately, it's just the way it is. You know, prices will go up in, in January um, mm. because everything costs more. Um, so, like I've said earlier, we, we do try and keep everything as affordable as possible, um, but it is just the way of the world. Um, so we say we do have some that we're, we're happy to, to sell directly if there is anybody interested in, in purchasing one. Um, and then, yeah, the console um, and more canutes should be coming up early next year. Um, and we'll be, we do have a newsletter. It doesn't go out um, too often because uh, nobody wants a <laughs> spammy inbox. Um, but you can sign up to our newsletter on bristolbrailletechnology.org. Um, and then so once things are available, you will be the first to know. Brilliant. And just before I let you go, have you, have you got any Canadian pricing for that? Or at least would you know if it's available in Canada to purchase? It's absolutely available in Canada to purchase. Uh, we use um, Canadian assistive technology, um, great distributors over there. Um, I was on their podcast a couple of weeks ago, actually, where I think I waxed lyrical for about 45 minutes on uh, <laughs> all things console. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Canadian assistive technology. Um, they've got a great podcast as well, if you want to listen to my dulcet tones again. Um, and they have the Canute for sale. I'm not entirely sure what that is, uh, what they're selling it in dollars, but it'll be very easy to go find out if you um, just hit up their, uh, their website. Charlie Harding, thanks so much for coming on to Double Tap. Really interesting conversation today. Sean's back with me tomorrow. We'll be back, of course, with more of your feedback and conversation as it continues here on Double Tap. And of course, don't forget our seven days of 2022 starting on the 26th of December. We'll be here right through the holidays. So do not uh, touch that dial. Is that a thing? Okay, well, I don't know when podcasts anymore, how it works. But anyway, uh, stay with us. And of course, keep your feedback coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com, 1-877-803-4567. We'll catch you tomorrow. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.